Blog Talk Radio. the vibes with Jerry and our paranormal roundtable discussion and this tonight will be followed by the freaks and I'll switch over from one show to the other. So for those of you that are new, we have paranormal roundtable every the first Tuesday of every month. Um and of course my co hosts David Flowers, John Savage and Dennis Eslock. We always have fun when we have Paranormal Roundtable, and I sent out a link to a couple other people. Maybe they'll come on if they can't. I understand. Um, so, have y'all been doing? Time flies. I can't believe it's another month. Yep. Turn that up. All right. It's two for me, actually, because I missed last month. Oh, yeah. You did. You're fired. <laughs> There. <laughs> cannot... I mean, get along with it. It's not the first time I've been fired. At least this time they didn't say you're an asshole. You're fired. Oh yeah, yeah. I wouldn't do that to you. I would. That's what... I would. And I wouldn't blame them a damn bit. They'd be accurate. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, if, if the ghosts are accurate, I guess they're accurate too.
was that? I don't know, but it was a lot more polite than the usual F you asshole I get. But yeah, I was going to say, don't let like, get fuck you, yeah. Can, can we, can we, can we go? <laughs> really, bro? Look back quick. You're like, something right. Excuse me, I gotta I gotta get off for one second because Vicente is smushing his brother's head into the re- the refrigerator thing. I'll I'll be right back. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And 
Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, because the the we we pretty much know the spirits at the manor house, and they this one didn't sound like one of our regulars. So we know that people bring stuff with them. Now, now there is a there is a lady that's been there for a couple of couple of times on on a couple of tours that has has stepped out and she she has an English accent, um, but the one from last night I knew right off the bat wasn't you know wasn't our regulars. Yeah. Tell her what else I said there. <laughs> the fact that I'm a dumb blonde, but go ahead. here that that has allergies slash a cold and I don't feel like catching anything so about how I can't find it auditorial. Where'd it go? I'm having a blonde moment. Yeah, thank you. There it is.
broadcast at the Manor House. But I do believe in auditory pareidolia. And it's very common, especially with rainstorms. Mm -hmm. uh, anywhere there's running water, get into a cavern situation, it's very common. Uh, you know, the mind tries to understand the noises that it hears. Yeah. It is a real thing. It is the same as a visual pareidolia. The mind tries to see faces and whatever it sees to make common sense of it. Yeah. Um, but and, and when you use the, the ghost box, you get auditory pareidolia. Oh, definitely. All the time. And I think the uh, DR60 is notorious for it, too, because it sounds so shitty on playback. And if you get a crystal clear EVP out of a DR60, you you actually have a good piece of auditory evidence. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, it's I think it's this or I think it's that. Yeah. Typically, it's just that equipment noise. Now I did go back and I researched the time frame for that DR60 in the original, you know, when it was first marketed. I bought a couple of Sony recorders from that same time frame. And I figured the technology would be very similar. And they sound just as shitty as listening to a DR60. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, it, I bought them because they were fairly cheap. They're $20, $25. I found them on eBay. Um, I haven't had a quality captured on one yet. Nothing that I would go, this is definitively saying that. Mm -hmm. Most everything sounds like you've shoved a microphone up a puppet's ass and dragged it across the stage. Oh, <laughs> oh my God, what did it say? Yeah. I think it said I eat insoles. So I just don't trust those old crappy recorders. And of course, at the same time, now, I have a, what, $350 H4N Pro. I don't care for it because I've had my $50, $60 Sony recorder sitting on the table with that H4N sitting right beside it and put away. The cheap Sony picks up a good EVP and the H4N didn't get crap. Hello, Patrick. Greetings, Patrick. Welcome to the show. Uh, Sullivan said many events are going to be planned for Hamilton going forward. That's awesome, John. And I'm glad to see another location being saved and, and you know something being done with it. Hopefully, they can raise enough funds that they can revitalize the building. A simple plastic cone taped to the front mic. Well, it has top mics, but. I know what she's talking about. Basically, mm -hmm. it turns it into a um, parabolic. And the way that it kind of echoes and funnels into it is supposed to help isolate a lot of the trash noise. Mm. It just shows me Kimmy knows what the hell she's talking about. Mm. Which I, met, I didn't doubt anyway, but I throw kudos at that woman as much as I can simply because... She actually knows what the hell she's talking about. Well. So, another thing to think about, too, especially this time of year, there is so much.
much allergies going on. And Jerry, you're a private person when we first moved in. And look, you mentioned allergies and I got Dave going. Um, you're going to get a lot of noises from guests in larger groups that you typically wouldn't have. And listening back on audio, somebody's over there coughing, but they're trying to suppress it. Right. And they're 15 feet away from you on the other side of the room. Your recorder hears that. All of a sudden, you think it's something that they don't do. One of the cardinal rules and go, that was me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. They don't, well, they don't know to call it, particularly if it's one, one of the tourists. Yeah. And, so. You know, it's not something that they're accustomed to doing, so they don't. So, and, you know, I had that last time that we did um, Pamplin and we had 50 guests, I made sure to make mention that, look, if you cough, sneeze, burp, fart, yeah. Body sounds like horrible Redenbacher. Just call it. Yeah. Our recorders are very sensitive. And, you know, pareidolia, both auditory, visual, uh, you know, they they happen. It just is what it is. But if I'm playing back a recording, and I use this in my presentation every single time, if you fart, we have just asked the question, can you tell us your name? And you've just pushed out a squeaker, and all we get is, uh, oh my God, his name's Bert. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, no, his name's not Bert. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I don't wear bangles. Um, any, I don't wear bangles when I'm investigating because they clank. You know, these don't make noise, but the bangles that I was wearing, they clank too much. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Yes, they don't. I have to really shake them. My bangles are worse. I have to pop her down and keep my medical bracelet on. Has my stent stuff on there. Yeah, well, yeah but Kimberly said take take when you're dealing with public guests. That yeah. Happen. yeah, that's yeah. very true. Yeah. If you have your team, that's great. Your team typically knows, you know, and you're down to three, four, six people in a group that is your team. However, like, you know, doing the manor house, when we do pamphlet park, when we do events at the cabin, we've got a lot of Jane Doe that's never investigated before, John Doe that's never investigated before, they don't know to mark audio. Right. Right, we yep. mark it down to the little tourist that will, if it's a little kid talking, if if he's running an EVP and let's say there's a kid there and they're talking, you know, because sometimes they joke around, he'll ask a question, you know, are you here with us? And you could hear one of little kids, yes, you know, just messing around, I'll mark it on the back, I'll be like, you know, tourist, little kid said, yes, this isn't a ghost. <laughs> so... Savage, have you been on any investigations lately? John Stevens wants to nair. No. Just the ones, just the ones here at the fort. You know, one of those nights I'm going to come down there and bug you. Come torment the 
Savages in Port Monroe. Nope, but nice and quiet. I haven't done any private ones lately. Um, I did that a little bit just hanging out at the cabin the other night, but we'll see. Um, good Lord. Let's scroll quick, folks. I can't uh, come out or next. I can't just see the pros to the actual work required in the investigation. Oh, wow, you got pros coming on the 12th. I definitely want to meet them, Kevin. <laughs> Who are they? <laughs> no razzle dazzle oh, show. No. Yes, we missed the Enigma, 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 Enigma Con too. Enigma. Culture have bled. English bitch. Yeah, <laughs> I can't even do that right. Can't even do that right. Sorry, Ronnie. Enigma Con. I almost went to Enigma Con, but then I had I'm so backed up on this job. Now I find out that the house that they're living in, while I remodeled this one, uh, has a contract on it, so they'll be homeless July 1 if I don't get their shit done. Oh, my gosh. So I've told her there are no more change orders. What is on the contract is what is getting done. After we get you in the house, then we can play with other shit. Right. No stress but there. Like, no stress there. I don't know. <laughs> you know, you'll yeah, be all right. Stress. Yeah. But she's even more excited. Y'all get to meet my son Ian. He wants to tell you his experience at the beach. I gotcha. Yeah. You know, I, uh, that reminds me, speaking of the beach and the 12th, uh, Jerry, if you have authentic native items, bring them. Okay. Plain as 
Oh, wow. Now, but yes. So now I want to try to make a connection with true native artifacts and see what I can get. Well, that would be interesting. I think I have a couple arrowheads somewhere, and they came from Haven Beach, too, actually. Come find them. Tell Savannah to bring it. Savannah has a Palo Man hand too. South of Petersburg and Dinwiddie. Yep, John Stevens. Interesting topic just slip your mind like that. Yep, everything's on the separate hard drive. How many 
bytes of audio capture do you have? I have to go look. Shitload, isn't it? All the way back to 1992. Brian Jones does, yeah. Ryan says he does. He keeps everything. became 
you know, and then a lot of times I'll have one that I have cropped and saved. And I have a habit, I will crop 10 seconds before to 10 seconds after what I hear is a response. And that way you hear the lead in, you hear the lead out. And you don't need a full three minutes to hear a yes or hello or whatever. But I'll play it back months later and all of a sudden there's no EVP there. And I'm like, what the hell did I say that one for? What was on it? But what the hell? I'm playing stuff for people in the government investigating or people at work. One guy ran away when I played one and he just about threw everything up in here and got it back there. Yeah. <laughs> I love doing that. Uh, um, so John Stevens, I do love playing stuff for people that have never been investigating or people at work. I completely agree. Um, you know, when you catch somebody that is like, oh, man, that stuff's bullshit. Oh, is it? Well, here, try to explain this one. Did you, did you hear that? Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, who was that? That was one of my friends that I couldn't see. It's a transparent American. Oh, what? <laughs> it just cracks me up every time. Yeah. Uh, and I can't for the life of me find the one that I had where I asked Melissa, are you with us, sweetheart? And the voice came back plain as day and said, I'm with you. I mean, that one brought me to tears. It was so damn clear and just the emotion that it evoked because I know I'm talking to this little 12-year-old spirit. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure it's in with your stuff somewhere. Do you know if 
St. Albans rents out like during the week and not just weekends? But I'm not sure. Probably Angie or Ronnie would be able to answer that. Because with me doing the manor house every Saturday night, they kind of jacks up the weekends. Ronnie says they do. All right. And they'll probably let you off with a fairly easy rate, too, man. They'll only charge you like double. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty certain Marcel will work with you, like Angie said. Marcel's an absolute sweetheart. Um, but, yeah, Ronnie, we were sitting in. The, the, the waiting room to go into Dr. King's office when it was right inside the uh, King Center entry doors. And at the end of it, I asked the question, all the emotion, all the energy, all the heartbreak, all of that dread, fear, and everything else that these children lived with while they were here, are they stuck with that? in the afterlife or are they free of it? And all three of us sitting here, sitting on that couch, here from out in the hallway, like at the receiving nurses station, free! And all three of us turned and looked at each other and went, did you fucking hear that? Yeah, it was plain as day. <laughs> so yeah, I, I absolutely love the King Center. The, the Right inside the the doors there, the whole reception area, the, the receiving nurse station, Dr. King's office, and that hallway. It, it's always phenomenal. And everybody wants to go to the bowling alley, the now the records room or the file room down in the basement to review cell two. Uh, but you know, they all want to go to those hot spots. Oh, I want to go to the suicide hallway. I don't want to bother them. All right. She has had a miserable existence both in life and afterlife. I don't want to bother her. The only thing I do, I go up there, I tell her I'm terribly sorry. If you would like to say anything, this is your chance, and then I'll leave you alone. Right. And I go away. Right. Yeah. Everybody wants to do the bowling alley or the suicide hallway. And I'll tell you another place that's always a hot spot for me, too. The classrooms in the hallway leading to the uh, bird cage. Those are my two favorite areas. It's right inside the King Center entry doors and, and up there in that hallway. Anywhere in that hallway. How big is that? How big is that area? I mean, the building itself. Uh, if if my numbers are right, before Angie and Ronnie say this, I want to I want to say it was thirty-eight thousand square feet. Wow. Let's see if they answer and if I'm right. I've only been there like 50 times. I, I don't know. <laughs> it, it, it truly is one of my favorite locations. Cool. But, yeah, I mean, it, one of my two times of actually getting the shit scared out of me was St. Albans. The other was the cabin on 360 at the Brick Rancher. Mm-hmm. And, both of them were pretty much the same. It was an energy that I think presented itself much larger than it truly is, just to scare the shit out of me. And so, uh, so 
one of them in the last three. Ronnie yeah. is sure a uh, close friend Pat O'Keefe had the hallway leading to the birdcage disappear on her while she was doing a photo shoot. Now that would be interesting. And, you know, I so I'm a contractor and I've had to do work in several places that were foreclosed. Um, you know, I get called in because this contractor or that contractor needs drywall work done. Um, I've had areas where I'm going through because anytime I do an estimate, I have to document it with photography. So I just snap picture after picture after picture. And I was in one house and I had bad feeling walking in the door. I actually had bad feeling before I even pulled the driveway. I looked at it and went, oh, fuck. Not one of these. And sure enough, I walk into place and I'm about half sick to my stomach. Uh, as I'm walking through the place, I'm taking my pictures and I'm talking to whoever's there. I know they're there. I can feel them. I can hear them moving about. And I get to one room upstairs and I... I walk in the door or up to the doorway and I aim my camera up. No picture. My phone shut off instantly. Oh, yeah. What the hell? So I step back and I start my phone up again. Says I got 73% battery. So I hold it up to take a picture again. Phone shut off. I said, all right, we can stop this shit now. I said, look. You can play with my electronics tonight. I'll give you that. I won't take any pictures in this room. But tomorrow when I come back in the daytime, you need to de-ask this room or hide. But I'm coming through and I have to take pictures. It's my job. You don't have to like it, but you have to let me do my job. Mm -hmm. So I get my phone to start up again downstairs, and now I'm at like 32%. So it dropped like 40% in five minutes. I get out to the truck. And I'm back at 70 plus percent battery before I even plugged in. The next day I stepped into that room, opened the doorway, and I went, All right, I'm taking pictures. You need to hide them. And I took my pictures. Camera worked just fine. So I I think it's bizarre. And what started out was Angie said, My close friend Pat O'Keefe had the hallway leading to the birdcage disappear on her while she was doing a photo shoot. Now I'm assuming you mean in. In the photographs, it disappeared. Oh, St. Albans square footage is 108,000. So I had 38. I'm only off by 70,000. What's 70,000 square feet on my prints, right? That's right. <laughs> 38,000 is like one wing of it, I guess. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know how they can manipulate our electronics to do what they do, but it's always been fascinating to me. You know, can you and they turn off my phone. Now, I did have, and speaking of cameras and, and hallways, the main hallway, like when you go up the grand staircase and you come back around and you're looking up towards King Center, I set my, um, my vision uh, portable on a tripod aimed down that hallway. And at one point during recording, you hear this little rustling sound. And it says, turn that damn thing off. Mm-hmm. And you hear a little bit of manipulating, you know, and then the camera went off. And I went, oh, son of a bitch. Oh, shit. The hallway disappeared on her in real life. She was stuck at the birdcage. That's an oddball. 
odd one. But, I mean, I've had time lapses there, too, where I know damn well that's um, 8.55. And all of a sudden, I look around and I go, what the fuck? Where the fuck the last hour ago? So, I've definitely had that there. Um, and like I said, I've been to St. Albans like 50 times. So I don't get lost there. But I've had times where I'm walking through and I'm going, where in the fuck am I at? It just doesn't look familiar. It was, it's bizarre. That place is, is it and it in and of itself is anomalous. There, there's so many things there that you just can't explain that it's phenomenal. So Dave, if you ever do decide to book it on a weeknight, I might know a guy that wants to go hang out. Sound like a winner to me. Um, do you know what St. Albans is built on? What kind of land? I know there's a shit ton of limestone. Okay. Because there's one room in the basement that you can still see the limestone walls. They've stripped the well, I don't know that they stripped it or it rotted and fell away, but there was drywall and timbers, um, joist studs inside the limestone walls. So you can see that the limestone stacked in there. Um, but I'm assuming pretty much the whole bridge that it's built on is probably all limestone. Because, I mean, it's probably 100 feet down to the river. Um, You've got a child moving through the background, Savage. I hope it's a living one. Hopefully she's going to go clean her room. (laughs) (laughs) Don't bet on that. (laughs) Ronnie says he believes it's limestone. So, I mean, if the theories are right, that limestone stores energy is a wonderful battery. So, but, you know, when you're underground in the long, dark hallway, you should be surrounded by limestone, most likely. Um, And I have heard of the tunnels, Angie. I never got the chance to explore them, but I was talking to a gentleman that said he got lost in the building one time and found himself in some tunnels that, uh, weren't told to, weren't told to him about or whatever else. So I, I would have loved to have been able to get into them. Hi, Angela, welcome. Um, the other thing too, now, yeah, it, it does have a huge history of Native American land. Um, the other thing too, the brand new buildings that as you're looking at St. Albans, the new buildings off to the right. Don't let the fact that they're newer buildings fool you. They're just as jacked up and active as the original building. Uh, I got the chance to go in and investigate there just for a couple of hours one night. And we're on the top floor. There's this huge office suite that's vacant. And we're standing in like the reception area. So it's this big half round place. And the wings to the offices go off both 
is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> 
What if in the square corners of the round table? What if one of the theories is correct that when you pass, you get access to the Akasic records where language isn't a barrier? Um, you know, for those that don't know, the Akasic records are the records of all things, all times, all beings, all places. So what if they do get access to the Akasic records and the language isn't a barrier? I mean, you don't go to Germany. You know, if you were to go to Germany, to Auschwitz, would you get nothing but German responses asking English questions? I don't think so. I think you would get English responses because they are able to automatically have that knowledge. Well, my, I, I, I don't know, but I know when I was in Egypt and I did that EBT session in the pyramid, what I heard was not English. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure from time to time there are going to be those that don't fall into that same category. But I think from time to time, well, for the most part anyway, um, for the most part, you you get English responses. I mean, like I said, I've got Algonquin responses at Henrikus Park, but the majority of what I get are English, even when I'm attempting to speak to nothing but the natives. Well, could it be where the natives, they, they were around the white people and maybe they learned English? Maybe. And, you know, uh, Ronnie's got, I've heard EVPs from the UK that are in the King's English. Well, I have one from Old House Woods that Kimberly has an event coming up. Old House Woods is rather fascinating. But when I filmed out there with Don Wildman, we're standing in the swamp, damn near knee-deep, literally. Uh, but I asked the question, are you familiar with and are, are you aware of the settlers from the lost island of Roanoke? And I've got a female English accent, King's English accent, most certainly. So, you know, it's still English, but the accent was there. Yeah, uh, and um, just last, was it last night, Jerry? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just last night um, on one of our EVP sessions, she heard a, a hello, but in the English accent. Yeah, I have that. Um, I have that clear. It's it's yeah, it's on a recording. I I was able to capture that. Yeah, and being as close as you guys were to Jamestown, you would have definitely had, you know, early English settlers present. Mm-hmm. Um, but it still puzzles me that we don't get uh, how many EVPs or what percentage of EVPs would you say are from the last 50 years? Right. Just very few. Yeah, and I mean, it doesn't make sense, but yeah, I mean, obviously I'm not asking them for a, you know, ID so I can identify who I'm speaking with, but right. 
Um, it just makes you wonder why is there a time lapse? You know, there's the learning curve. They have to learn how to, or they have to, so to speak, earn the right to interact with us. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just weird. Yeah, and I'm, I'm wondering if how, how often that we assume that it's from 150 years ago and it could just be we're not asking the right questions. Yeah, well, you know, that kind of goes right along with what I was saying. That, you know, I don't act exactly ask them for an identification to, to right. figure out who I'm speaking with. But Angie's got a great question. How do you think they, the spirits, are able to use words to communicate such as EVPs? Is it just energy that allows them to? We know our vocal cords are required. It's a expulsion of air over the vocal cords. The vibration causes voice. But how does spirit do it when there are no vocal cords and no air movement over the vocal cords? It's got to be nothing more than an energy. Uh, but how does that energy imprint into, I mean, if you go back when I first started doing this, it was all done on cassette tape. That's a magnetic pickup head. How did they print their energy and their voice into that magnetic head for that magnetic head to lay it onto the tape? Now in the digital, that's even a little more difficult for me to wrap my brain around because that goes into nothing but frequencies and sound waves, but you can't have sound without something to create it. So, you know, Kimberly's throwing the shit in there. (laughs) Skull experiments, kinetic, you know, there's all these different theories on how they are able to give us EVPs. But here's my question that goes even one beyond your question, Angie. How can we be in a location that doesn't have a piano or violins or other musical instruments, but we hear those items play? Yes, we bug a lot, and my friends is loud in, and I'm 
I just had my phone on mute the first whole first half of the show, so sorry about yeah, that. That's all right. No biggie. Shit happens. Yeah. <laughs> I can um I can re upload the show from StreamYard. So we'll get we'll just do that again because yeah, I'm stupid. Um Is when people are like, I can't hear you. I'm like, must be something wrong with your wrong with your computer or something. They realize it's all it's all my fault. So I just got to take myself off mute on like blog talker or something like that. That's okay. There was a one time we filmed an entire video and lens cap is on one of our standby cameras. <laughs> See, I mean, it's like you know, we're up, we're not. We act like professionals sometimes, but. Yeah. yeah, we try to. We try we try to take ourselves off mute when we're when we remember to do that. Um So you take a picture of the person and you see their aura and like do you like have them call you or did you get their No, um normally how I do it um is I have certain things that I have set up. Like if I'm doing something distant like that, I have a layout of how I do certain things, and let's take long-distance Reiki, for instance. We'll just use that as an example. When somebody does send me a picture for roller bottles, I have a certain layout that I use. And normally I message the person um, simply because I want them to be able to go back and look at messages if I'm right away, right then and there with them. So I'll have them, so I'll message people. Uh As far as the roller bottles and things like that, if stuff comes out through Reiki, I just make sure um, my long-distance Reiki sessions, I record everything through a recorder because so much stuff comes out with that. So that's, that's how I do it. But I'm focusing primarily on a person's aura or their chakras or whatever seems to be off. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, the idea of long distance Reiki. First, let us let people know for those people who don't know know, what Reiki is. Yeah, Reiki has been around for hundreds of years, and everybody has the ability to heal themselves. I mean, we've all been given that ability to do it. So Reiki isn't something that is some special gift. It's not. It's something that can be learned if you're determined to to do it. Because sometimes people will pick up something and then just put it down and forget about it. Uh-huh. But I, I mean, I Reiki every day, twice a day myself. Um, but it is an art. It's a Japanese art that was brought. To Hawaii originally, and it was in the 80s when it came here. Um, and it's basically energy work. You're taking energy from the universe through you, and you're it's going into somebody else. So you're basically a conduit for universal energy, universal light force energy. Um, so a lot of people will say, well, you're a healer. Well, no, I'm not. I'm just a conduit for that. So, and what Reiki does is that people have blockages in their body, whether it's in their chakras, whether it's, you know, sometimes I get people that have blockages in their knees and their energy blockages. And what Reiki does is it breaks that up and lets things flow smoothly so that a person can come back to their natural state, which really should be stress. Uh-huh. Nice and balanced, relaxed, because when you're when you're not that, those chakras are off. And what Reiki does is it balances that and it brings it back down to where you're able to sleep, for instance. Um, You just roll stuff off. It's very powerful. It's very powerful. Now, if you see somebody with like uh, a bad aura around them, are you? More drawn to like, <laughs> are you more drawn to like go to them, or do you want to like kind of step away from them and like keep as much distance from you and that person with a bad aura? Um, I I try to keep a distance from them because I don't I don't send any type of energy work uh, without a person's permission. A lot of times people will say you know, can you send my uncle Reiki? Well, no, I can't. I can't. I don't do that without permission. But with people that have a bad one, I've ran across quite a few. I just keep a distance from them. It, and it depends on the aura color, too, because sometimes people that have, like, let's say they have a mossy, greenish aura color, those are people that have had some things in the past. Some of that is anger. Some of that is jealousy. They might be a jealous person. Um, people that have, like I call them P-yellow auras, those are your people that have lack of confidence. They don't, they're, they don't believe enough in themselves to do things. If that makes sense, they know they should be doing something, but they're not doing it because they don't believe that they can do it. Um, so, but the people with the bad energy, um, I'll just put it that way because they put off a certain type of energy I, I, I keep away from. I don't want that in messing in with my aura. And y'all mess with people's auras every day. That's uh-huh. why it's so important to um, cleanse, whether it's, I mean, people say you take a shower and you clean your aura. Well, yeah, you kind of do. I mean, that is kind of correct, but there's nothing like in a 
and being in a bath and using like Epsom salt, for instance, to really get the ickies off. Because if I, when I go to take a bath with as much Reiki as I do, because I'm not just doing it on people, I'm doing it on well, you know, animals too. So when I get in the tub, when I get in the tub, unfortunately, by the time get out of the tub, which is probably a 20 minute cleanse, the water is mucky. Mm. very mucky and very yucky and I have to take an extra shower when I'm done with that. I know when you used to do your, your Reiki sessions at the at the cabin, you would have that, that old bag that bowl with the egg in it. Mm-hmm. And oh, it would yeah. be all it would be all like like all mucky and stuff after after you guys after you were done uh doing the Reiki sessions because of all the energy that was coming out of those people that were yeah. plus the energy that inside the cabin as well. Yeah, yeah, that that beautiful Brian, I showed Brian the egg before. Mm-hmm. The before <laughs> and after. Yeah, that's uh after images of yeah, because an egg when you put it underneath your chair and you're doing readings or Reiki with people, it kind of protects your aura so whatever muck is coming off of them is going into the egg bowl. Not only that, it's made people that have been sick better. 
So yeah, I think a lot of people do that. So to go through the chakras, yeah, earthing sheets. Mm-hmm. So I had a, I was going to get an earthing mat at one point, but now I just, now I just go out there and I slap my feet on the ground because shoes. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody wears tennis shoes where you got those rubber soles. Well, that doesn't keep you grounded on yeah. to Mother Earth. So, whoever invented shoes kind of messed it up a little bit because, you know, people before them were walking barefooted, and people don't do that anymore. And I think more people need to get back to earthing, you know, connecting with Mother Earth. Yeah, that um, makes I personally like walking barefoot. So. It's really good for you. Now you'll get people that say no it's not, but yes it is when you're connecting with your when you're connecting with the earth. Yeah. Because it you just if you're in tune and I'm not saying that you have to be in tune to to um you don't have to be I just lost my train of thought what I want to say. When I'm when I'm earthing I can feel that connection. You know Everybody has the ability to do what I do. It's just 
you know, finding that time to do it. And when it does work, people get scared because I've had a couple of people, you know, communicate with spirit, for instance. They had they had opened up that little tiny door just a little bit and it scared them and they was like no I don't I don't want that no thank you and they're you know they don't do it yeah they, don't want it. they wanted it and when it happens then it's like oh no 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 I'm good yeah it, it, it's second nature with me it's tough because it's like you want to be more spiritual and you want to so you want to try and see which uh, understand what you're going through but well you got to understand once the door is open. Yeah. You know, you might see stuff you don't want to see. And, you exactly. know. Exactly. Exactly. To the farm today is the perfect example. I brought, I got to the farm, and the two dogs that really, really barked at me last time didn't this time. They came running up to the car. I think I heard one little yip, and that was it. And then as I was walking to the pasture to the horses, I um a darker figured animal ran past me and I was like, oh, there's a, there's a dog, you know, spirit dog. Mm-hmm. So I asked the owner, I was like, uh, on the way to the horse pasture and she was like, yeah, the dog or one dog got hit by a car and it was a sheep dog. And I was like, okay. Because the animal, animal spirits move way quickly than human spirits do. They are real fast. Mm-hmm. Like almost like Speedy, uh, what is this? A little roadrunner. Speedy Gonzalez. Yeah. yeah. If you, if sometimes you can't catch it, you know, and it, you just get that real quick. And I'm like, ow. So you know, that's second nature to me. But if somebody else was to fall, that they may not be prepared with that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of like how when you go from being a child and you're able to see spirits, uh, you know, maturing, and you kind of close that part of your mind off. Well, I, well, I think that, but I also think that adults mess it up, too, because they will tell kids, oh, you're, it's in your imagination. Yeah. Oh, it's just a dream. Oh, you just want an imaginary friend, you know, to, you just want your imaginary friend because you want attention. I am so fortunate that I've had this since I was six years old, and I am so fortunate that I did not lose it. I'm so fortunate with that. I'm yeah. glad. I mean, it has its good times, but, like, being with my leg grabbed here in bed the other day, um, it has its good times, and it has its scary moments. Yeah, and I can imagine you're living with it since you're six years old, so you're used to it. If someone like, I don't know, someone like me or Austin said, oh, you know what, I'm going to try I'm trying to do it, try to, try to open ourselves up more, it's just like a, it will completely change our lives because you've got to hold – another layer of stuff that just starts happening out of the blue. And, you know, it's, it's got to be something you've really got to be prepared for or know that this is something that's going to really affect your everyday life. They don't, like, they don't ask you, I'm assuming they don't just ask first and then show up. They usually just show up without even warning you, yeah. you know. Yeah. I was getting dressed the other day and felt a man in behind me, and I'm like, this some little creepy pervert man. <laughs> creepy pervert man. <laughs> you got to I need my space. <laughs> I really need my privacy. I just see. I don't need you watching me dress. You know. And I'll and I'll say it just like talk to them just like I'm talking to mm-hmm. you. I'll be like, O
So you, you've been dealing with this since you were six, and you know you said that there's some good times, but there's also some scary times. Mm-hmm. How have you dealt with the scary times, like, over the years? Sometimes, um, I hate to say it, I will, if I came home for lunch one day, I was sitting in my living room, I heard something in my kitchen, I ran to the corner, there was like a six foot, almost seven foot tall, dark, burnt figure standing in my kitchen, and it scared me. So I, I went the other way. I would say turn around. Yeah, mm-hmm. I went the other way, and when I came back, it was gone. Sometimes I'll ignore it. Um, I hate to say that, but I do. I just sometimes I just ignore it. I I might smell a urine smell or a burn smell in the living room. In my living room, it'll just it'll whisk past me really quick, and I just act like I don't smell it at all. That's yeah, it's kind of like. I just don't give it the attention. And then some of them piss me off, and I'm like, what the hell do you want? Please don't just you know, stand here because, you know, you can feel the energy. I can feel them, and they won't say anything. They'll just be in my presence, and then I get impatient, and I'm like, what the hell do you want? Yeah. Do they ever, so get, do they ever get, like, if you ignore them, do, do they ever get aggressive, try to get your attention? I did have one do that. They kept me off all night, just like that scene on Ghost with Whoopi Goldberg where 99 bottles of beer on the wall. Yeah. Okay, that really happens to people like us that have what we have. If you don't get your messages across or do what you're supposed to do, they will nag you and annoy you until you do. I got one particular spirit that does it to me with my girlfriend that lives up the road up here. She ain't doing what she's supposed to do, and her little naggy aunt, will not leave me the hell alone with her little red lipstick and cigarettes. She's like, when are you going to tell her? And I'm like, I already told her. You know, so I I do get that. I have that one that just pushes and pushes and pushes. And then I'll call my girlfriend. I'm like, can you please do what your aunt has told you to do for the umpteenth time because she won't stop smoking around me. And i got to listen to early 60s, 70s music, and it's muffled. So that's what happens to me. I can't yeah. I can't speak for other people, but that's what happens if I don't get my messages across. It's music that I don't like, oh. and I got to listen to it. Muffled. That's even worse. You don't, you don't, you don't know the words. You can't, yeah. And then they can be funny. You know, I had a session last week, and, and, and it was funny. <laughs> that lady was funny. She was a trip. I couldn't stop laughing during my whole session because she was making me laugh, and I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, can I please just do Reiki on your daughter? I'm trying to be and, serious. And you're, you're... <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to be serious, and I can't be. And, you know, I'm like, your mom is just making me laugh so hard. I can't focus on my on what I need to do with you. Well, that had to make her feel it good, though. Point. It was very on point. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, a lot of stuff comes out with, um, if I'm doing readings, you know, some people, like Vanessa Hogel, for instance, she'll do her readings um, you know, she can do them over the phone and probably Holly can too and I'm one I have to be and it, it most of my stuff comes out through when I'm doing Reiki on people. And sometimes out in public too I'll do a couple readings. You know, somebody'll pass by and they have a loved one 
you know, next next to them, and I just have to tell them I can't not say anything because I yeah. to like listening to muffled music. Yeah, because like that. Yeah, 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 you know. Yeah, yeah, and they know I do Reiki, so. That just draws them even more. What kind of that energy? Yeah. That white. Yeah. So once once they know that you that you give off that light, it's got to be like like they run to you like a like a moth to a flame. You're like yeah. And and I and I have clients that don't know their capabilities yet because um, when you're a healer, you have a certain aura color to you. There's a certain color that you have, and they're, they don't even really realize it sometimes. They'll be like, well, I, I felt something move in my room, or I saw something, but I don't know why it's there. I'm sitting here going, because you're supposed to be doing what I'm doing, and you're not doing it. <laughs> they get, they have a distinct color aura to them, almost, almost the color of that purple up there, which I don't know if you can see it, but it's really it's a really pretty, yeah. pretty purple. Mm-hmm. That, that's a healer's aura color. Now, I, I don't know much about, like, Reiki and stuff like that. Do can spirits give off auras as well, or is it just, like, living, breathing humans? I think spirits give off their aura as well because you pick up that energy from them. Like, I, you might have a loved one, and I may not know them, but I know that they belong to you. It's the feeling of the energy that they, that they put off. Okay. Yeah. You know. So courses too, you know, like I said, I did animal Reiki today. They have specific certain energy to them that humans don't have. It's a whole different ball of wax. So it's it's pretty interesting. So when you do the the, the animal Reiki, do you notice a difference between when you get there in their demeanor and when you leave? Yeah. These animals today, they're just the cutest. Oh, my gosh. Um, do you know that when I was trying to leave, the horses came running up to the fence, and they were just making all kinds of noise, like, what do you mean you're leaving? And she was like, they really don't do that. They don't do that. And then the donkeys were across the other field, and they were doing their little hee-haw and stuff, mm-hmm. like, where's she going? <laughs> so I had a field day um, with the animals that I dealt with today. They knew I was leaving. They knew it. And they were. it was almost like they were like, wait a minute, you can't leave without coming to say goodbye to all of them. Aww. So I had to go say goodbye to all of them to include the fat cat that was sitting and the chicken. You know, so it, it was fun. They, there was a big difference with them. And I, have to, I document notes on each of them so I'll know when I go back next month what I'm having to do some work on because one of them has really bad anxiety and they that that needs to be addressed wow i originally went to go work on the dog that had ptsd tomorrow i work on an animal that has um separation anxiety disorder so i'm looking forward to that so do animals i guess that's super quick i guess they give auras but how do you do you um do you read them the same way as you would anybody else? Um, I I do look at their auras. They do have certain auras to them, the colors they put off the same. Um, humans are a little bit easier 
because when I'm doing Reiki on people, even at whether it's distance or not, their body tells. And animals sometimes are a little bit, they know what Reiki is, they know what energy of work is, but they're a little bit reluctant. And I have to kind of build relationships with them. So it's, it's a little bit different because you're mostly intuitively mm-hmm. talking to an animal, whereas I can talk to you and say, hey, Ryan, you know, you got a break in your aura. And, I mean, I'll talk to the dogs and the, even the horses, the ones that I did today, the bulls. I'll talk to them the same way I'm talking to you, but it's more of an intuitive, long-distance type thing. Because a couple of them don't, have not been broken into where you can really approach them right now. So I had to use a little bit of caution with that. But I think I'll make a breakthrough with a couple of them here with the next couple sessions that I got to do. It's really cool because I, I never knew, like, people did that with animals. Oh, yeah, I love it. I, I And please don't take this the wrong way if you're a client and you're one of my clients on here, but I love doing animal Reiki compared to people Reiki because it's a whole different feeling. Uh-huh. Um, it's just it's a totally different thing. You know, that's all I'm she was like, I got gas. Intuitively telling me I got gas, and I'm like, and so I'm looking at the owner. I'm like, he's got gas, and she's like, yeah, real bad, you know. It's like, okay. So I'm like, let me fix your little belly, and she came over, lay down, and rolled over. Like, fix it, please. <laughs> it, it reminds me of Doctor D a little. Like, it's really oh. cool. Yeah, and that and, and it's funny because they kind of talk that way. Whoever whoever did that movie knew the had to have been an animal communicator of some sort or knew that background because it is the same way. Now the mm-hmm. Reiki part is a little bit different. You have to position your hands differently on animals than you do on people because animals some of them have been abused, so you got to be real careful. If you, you play your hand placement is just a little bit different. Um, but whoever did that movie knew. It's the same thing with Ghost. Whoever did that movie with Whoopi Goldberg, they knew. Yeah. You know, because that's our life every day. And I'm sure that there's other people on here that, that might be psychics that can relate to that. It's the same. It's very truthful, 100%. So I'm guessing you'll have no. to. Sorry, go ahead. Huh? I was going to say, I'm guessing you'll have to be, like, on top of the animal, like, really close to the animal. You, you can do it from, like, a distance, just like a horse or yeah. something. You may kind of keep distance from compared yeah. to, like, a dog now, or something. Now, the farm that I'm at, I, I have stuff that I previewed that I lay down. Now, the, the couple of them I, was, I am able to, to physically touch, but there's a couple that are not aimed, as she put it, that I had to do distance on. The cow that I did the Reiki on this afternoon was, she was receptive, Betsy. She was receptive, but not. In the beginning, she was like, wait a minute, why did you shoot that into my third eye like that? She backed up a little bit. Um, so, you don't have to be on top of the animal. This lady, Miss Karen, um, Terrier, if she lives at a distance, you can do Reiki at a distance. I had a German Shepherd client that if I went in person, he didn't like it. He was mean. But at a distance, 
meaning from my house over to his house, he was fine. He laid down, he relaxed, he went to sleep. The whole pack went to sleep. Mm-hmm. But when I got there in person, they didn't. They didn't want it in person. So distance sometimes works out better with animals mm-hmm. and with people too, for that matter. Yeah. So you don't have yeah. to be on top of them. They can be moving around, you know, because not all animals are going to sit still for you. The chickens definitely didn't sit still for me, but it, you know they got their reiki. So it's the intent and where you're sending it to, you're focusing on that particular animal and you're sending that intentions of what you want done with that animal. Okay. Yeah. Now, you know, people give off auras, animals give off auras, locations. Mm-hmm. Do they give off auras? Yeah, I, I um, look at auras of buildings before I go in them. Yeah. Yeah, because they will give off an aura to everything, trees, all of it. They all give off auras. And auras are so easy to read. You just have to get into a, like Ryan right now is on the, on his background is that white wall back there. So if you're wanting to start to read auras, that's one of the first things you do. You want to get a piece of white paper and you want to hold it up against like your hand, for instance, and then you start looking at your, your, just your fingers. And if you if you start to see double fingers, you're straining your eyes too much. Then you need to blink and start again. Um, and then eventually what happens is you start to see a little bit of white color. And then when you get better at it, you practice it more and more, you begin to see more of the aura color and more uh, more layers. I can, I can see at least three layers of aura, sometimes four. Um, it just depends. But if you do that, you can actually focus on that white background. Like I can tell you right now that Brian has a relaxed aura. It's pink. And it's about that much that I can see of this aura. It's got some white in it. And people say white auras are rare. No, they're not. They're angelic presences. So they're not rare auras at all. Um, you know, but he's got some, a little bit of yellow in there. Yellow is lack of confidence in some things. Sorry, mm-hmm. Brian, but it it's is. It's okay. You know? And that's true, you know. Um, yeah. And he's got pink in there, so there's relaxation in there as well. So he's on that white background, and you see it plain as day. And that's how you practice it. And, I mean, if some of y'all want to get into aura reading, using your hand or going to a pine tree. Um, Pine trees have almost the same human makeup or the same type of human aura that we do. So if you want to practice that, go look at a pine tree and look at the tops of them, and then eventually you'll start seeing their auras as well. What makes pine a, trees are real easy to read. What makes a pine tree aura as a human? That's interesting. I, I don't know. That's just something that they taught us, that, they, that it has the same makeup as we do, so it makes it a little easier to read. Well, wow, I never would have guessed that. So it's, it's really cool. Yeah, I wouldn't have either, but they said that the plants and pine trees, they have that, that makeup like we do. So I think it's really cool. And right now, if you go look at pine trees, you're going to be able to see the pollen coming off of it. So right now, pretty much all the trees, you know, I know you can physically see it on your car, but when mm-hmm. you're looking at the ore, you can see the pollen dust around mm-hmm. the ore of the tree, and it's really cool. That's about the only cool thing about pollen. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know. I hate pollen. <laughs> God. Yeah. 
I mean, plus the whole plant thing. That's, that's, I want to guess a good way to start off, you know, if you want to just kind of do like a basic thing that you can do on your own, learn how to. Get that piece of paper. Get piece of paper. I will see things. I'll, I'll see. I will look at like I can't do it on people, but I can see like I can look at a, a bottle and like a bottle of Sprite right here, and I can see a little thing going around the bottle of Sprite. See the Sprite I'm looking at right here. Yeah. I can see like not right now because it's a, it's not against the white wall, but I can see like I don't know, just like a little outline that's outside of the bottle of Sprite. You know, I don't know if. Uh, like that kind of stuff has has auras as well, or it has to be like a living All thing. Of it does. Yeah, nope, it doesn't have to be living. The bottles have auras around it. If you was to hold that sprite bottle up against that white wall back there, you'd probably be able to see that the aura of that. And play with your own aura. You know, I I know people think I'm weird when I do stuff. I am one of those weird people. You know, I like to play with mine. I like to sit here with my little fingers here and look at my aura, touch touch each other, you know, connect. Yeah. And when I'm racing clients, I like it when I can see my aura color intermesh with theirs. Um, it's just really cool to me. It's something I'm fascinated by. It is very fascinating. And I think a lot of um, people dismiss it yeah. because it's not something they can physically see or it's not something that they've got to, got to really got to have an open mind about, about things. Yeah, um, but sometimes um, in people's pictures, some there. It's, I've only come um, came across a couple of them where I can actually see an aura, and then I will tell them. I'll be like, "Oh, you see that? You see that outline right here in the picture? That's what an aura looks like." Because I always try to help people understand what I see. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've always tried to do that. You know. Um, David, perfect example, yesterday at the manor house, the guy walked in behind him, he got really dizzy. And I was like, welcome to my world, because that's that's every day for me when I have spirit around me, or let's say that somebody has an illness or they're on a medication and I stand too close to them. I pick up that med, and if it makes their, you know, head spin or whatever, I'm going to pick all that up. So that's why I try to keep distance from people sometimes, too, because I'm picking up all their stuff, everything. Aches, pains, all of it. Mm. Yeah. Your body is so in tune, you know, but it just you just have to practice doing it every day. And if people would take the time out to do that, you would be surprised on how powerful your mind and your body is. It's need to adjust the antennas a little bit to get down to the right frequency. And that ringing in people's ear, you know, everybody always says, well, that's high blood pressure. Well, not necessarily. Sometimes that spirit trying to communicate with you and you're not tuning into it. And the way to do that is when you're getting that ringing, because a lot of people dismiss it and they're like, God, that's so annoying. But if you focus in on it and and you're tuning in like a radio station, and it's there, and you have a quiet environment, and you're tuning into that ring. You'll be able to hear spirit talk to you. Now, it might be one or two words, but you'll know what they're saying because that people dismiss that ringing mm-hmm. to high blood pressure or sugar issues, and not necessarily. Yeah, especially yeah. when you're at a location that's, you know. Yeah. 
people always looking for rational explanations to things that may not have rational explanations to things. Yeah, and I and I stopped doing that. And people try to ask me scientific stuff all the time, and I have just stopped answering the questions because I have no explanation for it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not going to sit over here and try to scientifically find an answer for it. I it's unexplainable. You know, and I've just learned to accept it that way, and it makes my life easier. When people start asking me 50 billion questions about certain things, I don't have explanations for it. And sometimes when I do tell them it's not good enough, <laughs> then I try to just like, I, I just don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's always there's people that are like, well, what about this? Mm-hmm. What about that? Yeah. And, like, and you know, I've had people tell me I'm full of shit, and I'm okay with that too. I'm I'm perfectly fine with that. I don't care because my bottom line is to get my message across, and that's all of it. That's I don't care if you believe it or not. As long as I get my message across, I'm good. Then I don't have to sit here and listen to muffled music all night. Yeah, so, it's really, you got to learn how to you know, change the station. Get to uh, you know. I know. Yeah, exactly. As long as it's not muffled. Yeah, muffled classical. You know, I don't ah. like classical music. I don't because my son listens to it. I'm good with that. It's just when it's muffled and it's a high pitch, it's annoying. Same thing with country music. It's muffled, high pitch country music. Yeah, that's, that's annoying. I like country music, but I would not want to listen to muffled, high pitch country music. Yeah, it's, it's not it's, seem like something yeah, that would enjoy, be enjoyable. You know, record it for people to say, this is what I get to listen to. It's, it's annoying as shit. You know, I was listening to your show, The Vibe Time with Jerry, um, 8 o'clock p.m. on Vibe on the Vibe Radio Network every Tuesday night. Um, and towards the end of the conversation, you guys were talking about how, like, music and, like, voices are caught on, on EVP. And... Um, one of the uh, guys who's at the cabin this past weekend said that they're in the basement and they are heard on the person's headphones music being played, but there is nobody playing music in the basement of the cat of the. Is it? I've had that happen. But they couldn't tell what kind of music it was. So maybe it's the same kind of music you're hearing, or it's just muffled music where you can hear it. You know it's there. But you don't know what it is. Yeah, I get that when I'm trying to listen to EVPs, and I'm like, seriously, I'm trying to listen to this. I don't want to listen to that. (laughs) Yeah, especially if it's muffled, because muffled music just cuts my nerve. It really does. I got a question here from CR Zarn. He he actually hosts uh, On My Mind with CR on Friday nights here at the Vibe Radio Network. Got to get all my plugs in here. He says, I work at a living history site, open and close the buildings. What should I do to be polite? I always tell them hi and goodbye. I work at a um, museum out here in Urbana, which is the Scottish Factor House. It's 1766. When I walk in there, or even the manor house for that manor, I always say hello when I walk in there. And we always say goodbye and thank you when we leave, always. We I never leave that museum. I tell them when I'm coming back so they'll know. Um, so then you're, CR, you're, that's, that's 
what you're doing is fine. Because when I walk into the museum, the first thing I'll say is hello, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, I'll just tell them, see you next Saturday, so that way they'll know to expect me, and then I'll tell them who else is working on what day, so they'll know. Yeah. what I do. I'll do the same thing. If I'm at the cabin, I'll, I'll go, hey, guys, what's up? And then yeah. I'll let them – also, if I have people coming over, I'll say, hey, come on. I'll have these people come over, and you just yeah. give them, talk to them, and, you know, show them a good time or whatever. And try to be yeah. polite. And just, you know, just greet them and, yeah. you know, like they're old, like they're family almost. Yeah, yeah the museum is really good for muffled music, muffled conversations. Oh, goodness. You like their history um, being told. When I, yeah, when I when I when I work at the museum and I'm doing the like the map presentations, I think that Dr. Mitchell likes the fact that 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 his history is being told there. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah, because he never thought that his map was going to make it. He, I don't think that he realized how how critical the Mitchell map was in history, and you know. He had a really bad struggle. So we have a 1755 um, John Mitchell map at our museum. It's worth about a quarter of a million dollars. It's a beautiful piece of art. And it's good to know that your life's work is being appreciated years after your death. Yeah, and his is definitely appreciated. Yeah, the Mitchell map. Yeah, you should come out and see it. It's, a, it's located out in Urbana, Virginia. It's a Scottish factor store. It's really, really teeny tiny. It's the last standing Scottish factor store in the country, according to Williamsburg. They came out and did an assessment two summers ago. Um, and it, it's a beautiful, intact building. And, of course, the town acquired the Mitchell Map through raising money with little tin cans. Yeah. <laughs> and I love it there. It's, it's I still need to come out, come out to the – I didn't mean, make a yeah. make a road trip out to the museum. I mean, I keep meaning to. Yeah, it's really really small, but it's worth it. I mean, you know, it's teeny two floors, but we we I love it there. The dirt floor is original. Um, people come to look at the how the building was built underneath the little wood structures. So I like I like being out there. Yeah, Cr and Adrian are are from Minnesota. So they've got quite a little ways to get down here to visit the museum, but oh, yeah, definitely. A little bit of a road trip, but it's yeah, worth it. They're gonna have to make all the stops to make yes. up. Yes, they've got they've got quite quite a quite a bit of uh, sightseeing to do. Um, oh, yeah. So we're almost done. I know you've got you've been okay. pulling double duty here tonight, so I want to give you a Aww. chance. Look at the kitty. Oh, I know. Hello. <laughs> Oh, and there's a cat. Austin's yeah. got a cat now. Aww. One of our rescues. We have, we have four cats. Aww. It's so cute. Yeah, Urbana is really teeny. It's a port town, and we have 458 people in it, Karen. 458, that's all we got. 458 in town residents. you got to get your plugs in, Jerry. Get, get, let people know how they can put with you in. <laughs> Get their oh, y'all want to get a hold of me? If, if anybody wants to get a hold of me, um, it's, it's Jerry Pritchard Reyes. You're more than welcome to friend me on Facebook if you'd like. I do have a show every Tuesday, uh, Five Time with Jerry. It's 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And um, I also have my Five Time with Jerry page. Um, I'm on Instagram and I'm on TikTok also. 
my TikTok is more of just, well, you've seen it, Ryan, just positive slogans mm-hmm. every day. Yeah. And then, of course, Facebook, I try to put my card of the day, but I've been very busy lately, so I haven't been able to get on as much as I like to. So please, by all means, if you want to send a friend request, go for it. I'll be happy to accept it. You're welcome. Perfect. And like I said, every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, it's my time with Jerry. And, of course, we always have the Freaking Paranormal Awesome Show at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard yep, Time. Yep, the Freaking Paranormal Awesome Show. That's the, uh, so. I appreciate you coming on. Um, like I said, pulling double duty tonight. I know you had the uh, the Paranormal Roundtable. I felt bad about tearing you away from that show because I know you guys usually. We were doing pretty good, and yeah. I'm sure that they are fine without me, trust me. <laughs> that show usually goes a little later because um, you guys get that conversation going. It's, it's hard to stop to just to one hour. Um, yeah, sometimes it gets very interesting. And uh, But tonight tonight was okay, and I think they can handle it without me, you know. Dennis did call me a dumb blonde, so we're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Uh I'm sure Dennis can uh, can handle it, and you know, yeah. they 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 can definitely get there. There's no shortage shortage of people who can talk yeah. on that on that round yeah. table for sure. I, I know. Um, I was gonna say we're good to go. I'm good to go. I pulled myself off at least a minute early, so I'm fine. Right. Well, I appreciate it. I'm gonna go and uh, head and get off of here, and uh, help RJ get there. And uh, thank you guys. Um, thank you. I've actually got a show Saturday night. This on, um, so yeah, it's gonna be weird. Uh, but what are you doing Saturday night? I've got uh, an author coming on, Jeffrey Dangler coming on the show. Nice. Um, so if anybody's available to come home with me, you know, they're welcome to join me Saturday night here. Um, well, you know where I'll be. Yeah, the Manor House. Yep. All right. <laughs> All right, guys. You have a good time. Have a good Thank week. You. I mean, take care, night, and we'll y'all. see you. Have a good one. Bye, guys. All right. Well, that was fun. Yeah, the guy was like, because he do Saturday nights. He works during the week on on Tuesdays. That was.